Grace, peace, and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. My name is Nick Milkey. And I'm Steve Renaud. Nick, chapter, what was this? Chapter, chapter 10, 10. The Passenger. The Passenger. We continue with amazing names for episodes. Yes. And I like the continuation of the chapter thing. I don't think it has to be, I mean, I still have a habit of calling it Season 2, Episode 2, but I like the continuation of going from eight last season to nine, 10 moving forward. I think that's just fun. I, I like it. I, I like it. I like the feel of it. Um, it does give a, you know, it doesn't feel like we're in a second season. It feels like we're just in a continuation of a story. Absolutely. Uh, because there wasn't a ton of, of uh, really, there wasn't much time jump between season one and season two. So anyway, um well, Nick, is there any is there any Star Wars news out there that we want to hit before we dive into this? I would say relatively straightforward. It, it was a straightforward um, episode. I'm trying to think. I know that this was the second week of the Mando Mondays toy drops that are going on over the course of this season. Um, a lot of the different toy industry folks, Disney, Lucasfilm, Target various exclusives, various companies, Funko, the Pops, and all that stuff, they're dropping every Tuesday new loads of merchandise. It's interesting, and we may have talked about this before, and I've heard some friends talk about it. It's almost, now that The Mandalorian, we're into a second season, it's caught hold, it's taken off, it's successful. You know, last year, there was really no merchandising, because, of course, you had to protect, you had to protect the surprise of the child. Yeah. And so there were some very, you know, slick marketing. To me, it almost heralded, heralded back to the original Star Wars movies in the pre-order pack for the Star Wars action figures because they weren't ready in time. Um, but so this almost feels a little bit like, okay, everybody knows the main deal. Now we can go great guns, especially as we head into the holiday season. So there was a week two drop of Mendo Monday stuff. Last week, there was a really fun big one. Um, I think the one that attracted or highlighted to me the most was they are doing a series of the Mandalorian retro collection figures, which are the action figures that look like the 70s Kenner figures. And there's, I think, seven of them. You've got Kawil, Grief, Gideon, the Mandalorian, the Child, Cara Dune, um, and there's an IG-11, I believe, is the other one. And so those are really neat and really fun. Those are all pre-order things that will be out, I think, in May, maybe. Um, so just a mix of so they're, they're, they're pre-order. some of the so stuff can... that some of the Mando Monday stuff is pre-order and some of the stuff is available relatively immediately. It just depends on the retailer or, you know, what the figures are, but those retro figures that I'm excited about, those were actually a pre-order. Um, and then I think just the other big toy news is if anybody's familiar with the HasLab Hasbro Pulse project, the first one that they did the year before last was the Jabba sale barge. And this was kind of like a Kickstarter project where once they had enough backers, it would go into production. Uh, I have several friends that I know that got those. And in fact, my friend, Chad Gibbs, who has been on the podcast with us, he has his still unopened in his house in Auburn. Um, he has not opened his Jabba sales barge, but the second HasLab project that was announced, gosh, a month ago or maybe is the Razor Crest. And yeah. the way they have it set up, I think it's $350. I have not ordered one. I don't see that going into my collection. Um, <laughs> but, but Christmas, Hanukkah, yeah, they just run That's right, corner. something. Um, 
but one of the the features of the first one and especially this one as they've seen success with these kind of projects is for every number of people who back it they're adding on extra things and i think as of earlier this week they have 15,000 backers and so there's only one more tier left to unlock but it includes um four carbonite blocks to go like the mandalorian had at the beginning of the first season in the cargo hold some figures on cards um it's just a neat project and it has gotten a lot of backing as we saw and of course it's a little less pricey than the sail barge was but that was announced this week that they're almost close to the final tier which i think is like seventeen thousand backers so for those that are going to get that very fancy edition of the racer crests hats off to you that's fantastic and the other news, uh, Squadrons dropped the new video game last month. Mm-hmm. I have not gotten a chance to play it yet. I've not even tempted myself in ordering it yet. <laughs> I've heard it is absolutely amazing, but I am in the like in the in finals. Uh, like the la- next next three weeks is like finals weeks for me, and I would be terrified if I had that game <laughs> in the house. I would not write the numerous papers or tests I need to take for my first semester of my doctoral program. So I'm I'm making myself not play that yet but so there's toys there's games nothing really on the movie front from from what i'm hearing um and so Ooh. really all the focus one what? i was gonna say one more just occurred to me while you were saying that is this coming tuesday november the 10th which also happens to be my birthday is the release of the certain point of view empire strikes back book um Oh, that yeah. drops on Tuesday, which is exciting. I have read, I've only read about half of the first one. I really enjoy it. I'm just terrible about reading. I know you talk very much about listening to books, uh, which I need to do more of. But, um, but that second Empire Strikes Back version of Certain Point of View drops on Tuesday. Um, a friend of ours, Pete Fletzer, at the Around the Galaxy podcast, he got an early copy and dropped a review of that. Um, on their website earlier this week and it looks really exciting there's some fun stories some great authors and i look forward to getting to that at some point all right well let's dive into episode i'm sorry chapter 10 the episode titled the passenger and we always do the same five questions and of course if you would like to give us your responses please go to our anchor page uh, and you can uh, leave us a voicemail and uh, so our five questions are, what was your favorite part, least favorite part, pivotal, plot point, favorite Easter egg, and what do you want to know more about or go deeper into after watching this episode? So Nick Milton, yes, sir. what was your favorite part of the past? My favorite part of this episode, and I'll just go ahead and give you a disclosure up front when we get to Easter eggs, we're going to have to kind of do like we did last week, because I do have a favorite, but there were several, and I want to make sure we hit them all. But as far as favorite... Honestly, I think my favorite part of this episode was the fact that we get a bunch more scenes that were in the trailer. And the reason I like that so much is, and I went back and rewatched the trailer. Full disclosure, I have seen chapter 10 twice now today. Um, I got up and watched it at five o'clock this morning with my daughter before she went to school. And we are going to drop in a quick little Harper interview segment at the end of the episode. So y'all stick around and catch that at the end. We Harper's hot, Harper's hot take. That's exactly what it's going to be. I actually interviewed her in the car on the way to school this morning for just a quick minute. Um, So I got up and watched it at five o'clock with her before we got ready for school. And then I watched it again just a little while ago. And when I finished, I went and pulled up that one trailer that they had put out for this season 
And it kind of confirmed what I thought, which is at this point, we have seen the majority of those scenes in these first two episodes. Absolutely. All that's really missing is the stuff on the water planet, the boat. And I think that very well could be what's in the next episode because I paused it and you see Mrs. Frog and Mr. Frog walking next to each other. And that mysterious figure that disappears from behind the cargo container. And that really is all that's left. We got the X-Wings. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The speeder bikes and running through that Imperial facility and the TIE fighter. So maybe we'll call it 75%. But most of it it has been seen so far. And that excites me because with six episodes to go, there's going to be lots of surprises. And I'm really totally down for that. Yeah. My favorite part, I don't think it's ever been done before, Nick. Uh, it's been a long-running joke in liturgical churches, like <laughs> yes. the, uh, especially the Anglican Church, and uh, and of course, its cousin or, or sibling, the the Methodist uh, movement. But the force be with you, and, and apparently also now with you. The official response to that is, and also with you. Yes, I laughed out loud when that happened. I died out laughing with that. If, of course, if you're not from those from these uh, Christian traditions, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But of course, in those traditions. Uh, and it's changed in the Catholic tradition is now in with your spirit, but it used to also be and also with you. Yes. But the idea was, is that whenever the leader says, the Lord be with you, the response is, and also with and you. And also with you. And so uh, nerdy Christian <laughs> uh, uh, Star Wars fans, whenever our response to the, the force be with you is, and also with you. And so I just, I don't even know if that was intentional, but I was just like, you know what? That's just something very funny. And it, you know, it's, it, it felt funny, but it didn't feel forced. Um, you know, it, it, of course, that would be an okay, perfectly normal thing to, you know, respond to somebody. But And I was racking my brain today. I was like, has anyone ever, like, responded in that way before? And I really don't think they have. I don't think they have so, either. And it was everything I hoped it would be. But that was the one scene. I was like, I got to go back and rewatch that. I think it was Connor and not Wolf mm-hmm. who, who uh, said it. It was funny because. Mando kind of was like, uh, and like, you know, like a little, little like Han Solo-y, like we're fine here. How, how are you? Like, and uh, the force be with you. And then Connor responded, and also with you. Yes, so, it was, it was a great. Uh, you, that's an excellent favorite thing to have had from this episode. So the humor continues uh, to be very. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's that very Han Solo humor. Like, um, I, I don't know. Even like uh, that opening fight scene had some pretty fun. Uh, solo-y humor and it, uh, Star Warsy humor. So, um, and also, uh, uh, my, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, talking, speaking of the humor, <coughs> excuse me, my favorite humor moment in this episode was after they finally get off that planet and he's going to take a nap again for a minute and he tells her, you know, wake me up if something happens or if those doors get pulled off the rails. And she kind of looks at him and he says, I'm just kidding. If that happened, we'd all be dead. <laughs> Yeah, it just again that wry Han Solo ish kind of humor. I'm totally here for it. I, I is that the uh, we'll move on to that our, our next things. But is that the um, is that the secret to Star Wars humor? Just if if it if Han Solo could say it, it it, it works. In the universe? I, I, I don't know. I like this theory. I, th- I think you're on to something there because especially to me as a very dry and sarcastic personality, much of the time those Han Solo moments certainly speak to me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so Nick, what would be your least favorite part of the episode? Again, like last week, I mean, 
there's really not a lot. I, and I'm not one to complain about Star Wars, especially as I age and continually am thankful that we have new Star Wars, as we've discussed, yeah. and we readily have new Star Wars available. Um, you know, I could say I didn't like that it was a shorter episode than last week because, of course, I want more. I think my least favorite part, really, and this isn't, again, not necessarily a complaint, but if I have to pick something, I wasn't a huge fan of the spider deal. Um, it, it did have a, and this isn't even a complaint about the production or the storytelling. Um, of course, I couldn't help but think of, uh, was it Aragog, the spider in Harry Potter, <laughs> as they're in the, the Forbidden Forest? Yeah. Um, it had a little bit of that vibe to it. Um, but just the hebe, the overwhelming, my anxiety kicked in just a little bit, the overwhelming nature of those spiders closing in on them. As a general rule, I'm not scared of spiders but I am somewhat claustrophobic. And so as they started to close in and they're trapped in the cockpit, you know, it kind of got me a little creepy crawly for a minute, which is probably what it was intended to do. Um, so I'll just say the kind of overwhelming wave of spiders was my least favorite part. <laughs> for, for me, the one thing I, it, to me, I don't like it when something doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, um, mm -hmm. and to me, I was good. The crash happened and everything and that whole, but then there's that scene of like, look, we got to do something or we're going to freeze to death. Right. So I'm going to lay down and take a nap. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I'm confused. And, and like, um, like if you could have taken off and just sealed the uh, cockpit from the vacuum of space, why not just do that? Well, I was uh, taking a like, shot at that early on. Like, like, and, and you're like, well, he had to go out and fix it. And while he was fixing it, the frog lady went away. And she's like, I got it. But why did he just go out immediately and do that and be like, okay, here's our plan. As opposed to, I'm, I'm taking a nap. Um, yeah. Like that, that was my one thing of like, it seemed like those things were having to happen. Those kind of missteps in logic to allow the frog lady to go away to, uh, to set up the spider thing. To, like, that was my one, like, uh, kind of, so kind of far, a procedural like issue. Yeah, it, it it's like a not the best in story. To, it, it didn't track like the fact that the Mando wouldn't have been like, "We're gonna fix this ship. We're gonna get out of here. Uh, I don't like this sort of thing." Um, anyway, that was my one kind of least favorite part. But I mean, not a huge thing. But it's sure. just kind of like, eh. Um, but uh, for you, Nick, what was the pivotal plot point of this episode? What was the thing in this episode that you're like, ooh, that was a big deal that that happened? Um, and this may end up being minor. We don't know, of course. We've seen it highlighted in the trailer. And, of course, it was a driving factor in this episode. But to be perfectly honest, I want to know who Mr. Frog is. Um, <laughs> how do, how yeah. does Mr. Frog know where some Mandalorians are and... You know, this information, Mr. and Mrs. Frog, I have to say, I also think um, I want Mrs. Mr. I want Mr. Frog to be one of the Battletoads from the video game Battletoads in the 80s and 90s. Um, but that just, you know, how are they hooked up to that? They, you know, he settled on the the was it the moon Trask outside of whatever the planet was that I can't think of the name now and found a place for them and their kind. Um, I Initially, I wanted to think, well, maybe her husband was not another frog-like character like her, even though she said it's one of the only places, you know, friendly to our kind. And so maybe that would have been some other big reveal, like, oh, the husband is, you know, some other Jim big Mark. big reveal, you know. Yeah, it's Boba Fett. It's Boba, <laughs> you know, she's married to Boba Fett. No. <laughs> um, but as I did go back and watch that trailer, she is very, yeah. very clearly walking side by side with a taller male green character of that same species so i guess my pivotal plot point is 
who are the frogs and how do they know about a, co- a potential covert of Mandalorians? Yeah, especially because Mandalorians are it's named a covert. Mm-hmm. I I think for this episode, it's interesting that there has been not uh, in any way like an alliance or a friendship, but there's at least kind of a a respect or an allowance between the New Republic and mm-hmm. Mandalorian. Uh, I think that that's going to potentially play a big thing. I mean, the New Republic has never been the Mandalorian's enemies, right? But He's never relied on them or they on him. And, uh, you know, we kind of see a callback from that that um, that completely bottleneck episode from the prison ship. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that uh, had some bearing on this moment. But um, but at the same time, it's the fact that it seems in the New Republic, because they're like, we ran your stuff. So it's like a regular it's like a widely held knowledge that while the Mandalorian is ne- not necessarily part of the New Republic or even friendly to the new Republic. He's someone with whom the new Republic can work. Right. Um, and so that might come into, we might get to see Wolf Connor. I can't remember. Uh, uh, Kelly Marie. Is her name? Kelly. Marie? No, no, that's Rose. No, uh, that's Rose. Um, who, who's the uh, director? Oh my mm-hmm. God. What's her name? Um, so annoying. Um, Deborah Chow. Deborah Chow. I can't remember recall her and, character and name. Rick, Rick Famuyiwa, Famuyiwa, yeah, the, we, the other have, two X-wing pilots. We have four living New Republic people that we've encountered. We re, we resaw two of them today, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, well, Carson, I don't think we've seen Carson before. No, we've not seen him before. We have seen Wolf, which of that's course right. that of course that's Dave Filoni's name is Wolf, Trapper um, Wolf, Trapper Wolf. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but anyway, I, just that uh, that relationship forming with the New Republic. Uh, yes. Okay, Nick, time for the big moment. What's your favorite Easter egg? I um, my favorite Easter egg was Doctor Mandibles. Ah, Dr. And, Mandibles. And here's why Dr. Mandibles is such a great Easter egg. Because he is a species um, that has some presence in Star Wars canon. Uh, apparently, I looked up this just a little bit ago, that Dr. Mandibles and um, Mrs. Frog were spotted in the cantina at some point last week. or in a pre- No, in the Gunslinger episode, I'm sorry, in uh, Chapter 5 mm-hmm. in Season 1. Um, they can be seen in the background of the cantina, so it's funny to bring them back. But Dr. Mandibles has a very ant vibe to him, and this episode was directed by Peyton Reed. And Peyton Reed, for all of our listeners who may not be aware, directed the Ant-Man movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> and so to me, the only thing that might have been better is if it had been the ant and there was some sour connection to Rick Moranis and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> um, but I loved that. I thought that was such a fun... You know, and I have to assume it was intentional that she's sitting there playing Sabacc with a big ant and Peyton Reed, the director, has his calling. One of his calling cards has been the Ant-Man movies. So I thought that was really fun. I thought that was a very easy way to kind of throw some some Easter egg goodness our way. And even Sabacc, even Sabacc Easter egg, Edith Ray is like a royal flush in Sabacc. Correct. So that uh, that has some tie in. Um, you know, Absolutely. there's some relation. I know Sabak is kind of loosely based off of Pazak mm-hmm. uh, in the Knights of the Old Republic, and so and and then of course the Solo movie and all that. So I mean, that's that's a fun little game that makes sense to have it uh, continue to be there. Uh, what was I, your favorite Easter egg? Something I, I had two, and one of them okay. you hated. 
Um, <laughs> the first one is, and this is really, really technical, and I'm sorry, probably nobody else noticed it and, and would think that this is a silly thing, but it is very, very, and I can't recall the sound engineer's name from uh, the original trilogy. Ben uh, Burt. I'm sorry? Ben Burt. That's it, Ben Burt. I feel like Ben Burt got a full shout out here, if not uh, if not his work was recycled a little bit, when the X-Rings hit into that canyon chasing the razor crest that the sounds are from the uh, trench run from the mm-hmm. death star did you did you hear that i did hear that it was beautiful it was just so cool to hear that that noise uh and sound effects uh are just such a big part of star wars you don't realize how much of a big part it is uh because people tend to only focus on the music but the sounds of star wars is massively important and it was just awesome to get to hear that that to me that was an easter egg I think that is, is a great one. The spiders. Do you know what those spiders are called? <laughs> they're the knobby white spiders, are they not? They're the Krikna. No, they're not. They're not I did Krikna. Some, I did some research. I did research, too. I thought these were the <laughs> Krikna from Adelon. Here, here's the deal. They are not. Um, according to what I read, they are not the Krikna from Adelon. But what they are is from a Ralph McQuarrie. And I am the way you feel about the Star Wars music is the way I feel about Ralph McQuarrie and his concept uh-huh. art and the, and the things that he did. And there is a painting that was a part of the Empire Strikes Back concept art. And there was a creature called a knobby white spider. And it was going to be something that Luke potentially encountered on Dagobah. And so there's this painting of it. And you see Luke kind of in the left side, smaller kind of foreground um, and this big white spider. And the idea was it was a part, it was kind of a natural plant based spider. If that makes any sense, it lays eggs. And at some point when its life is over, it kind of roots and becomes a tree as these hulking creeping masses. And so it's a, it's part of a Ralph McQuarrie painting. Um, But as I was looking that up, because it triggered that image in my mind, um, I found someone else who said that they thought that that was the Krikna from Adeline and that that was in dispute. So I'm not going to hole out all the way, say that that is not what that is. Well, and there's um, a very good chance, Nick, that Dave Filoni based the Krikna off of the knobby white spiders from Ralph correct. McRoy. So, correct. But there's certainly some synergy there. If, if you're watching this episode and you think spiders, that's random. Nope, spiders are really <laughs> part of the Star Wars universe. There, especially there's some play, the pedigree there. Especially if you play some video games. Uh, you got to kill yes. some spiders with a lightsaber once in a while. So, um, Absolutely. Well, can I, can I hit a couple more Easter eggs <laughs> oh. before we get out of here? Oh, feel free Very to. Quickly. Go ahead, Nick Milky. Um, Treadwell. The Treadwell droid as yes. Kelly Moto comes in. Overcooking the dragon uh, Overcooking the, dra- the crate dragon meat. And I got excited at first because I thought, We've seen Treadwell before. Treadwell was a part of the Lars homestead and in the background, and that name mm-hmm. of certainly was familiar. What I had not realized is that Treadwell is a part of the droid name. It's a C-H-whatever Treadwell series droid, not that that was that droid's name on the Lars, plant, or Lars homestead. So it's not necessarily likely that it's, you know, because, again, it does get a little bit small if that really is just Anakin's pod racer engine and that really is a droid from the Lars Homestead and R5. Yeah. Like, at some point, it's okay to, um, as somebody even said, that pod racing engine from last week that was a part of Cobb Vance Speeder, 
doesn't necessarily have to be, oh, somebody found Anakin's pod racer engine and made a speeder out of it. How do we know that Anakin's pod racer wasn't made out of a couple of speeders um, that he had found? It's a common part laying around, whatever. But still, the yeah. Treadwell, Treadwell droid was a fun Easter egg to see those kind of binocular-ish looking eyes. But then also connected to that, the crate dragon meat being roasted by that engine is a call to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland and Disney World. And while I have not, uh-huh. while I have not visited those wonderful places yet, um, there are several shots that you can see in video footage and around there. I think especially um, one of the food stands, you walk by it and there is a animatronic of some meat on a rotisserie being roasted by an engine of some sort. Um, and so that was fun to kind of see that realized in an episode of the show as well. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So you've been teaching me a lot. This <laughs> well, I, I'm all about an Easter egg and I, I just have to t- blow the rules of the categories out of the water when it comes to Easter egg time. Well, what about the last category, Steve? We always say, you know, what is the thing that you want to see more or that you want to dive a little deeper into? What was that for you in this episode? As I finished this episode and I thought about this question, I originally thought back to that initial fight scene with people we don't know, mm-hmm. uh, beings we don't know, trying to clearly get the child. Like they're not trying to rob from the Mando or do anything like that. They want the child, right? Who are these people? Are they hired mercenaries from the Empire? Or, and it, it goes back to that original, and, and I think that this is the one kind of like thing I don't get with the story, and it might come into full fruition, is who was protecting the child in the first episode? Right. Like, like this does not feel like it's just the Mandalorian versus the Empire. It seems like a lot of people are out there. And so, you know, I just, I, I liked the fight scene, but I was like, oh, cool. That was a really cool fight scene and the jetpack and all that. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, the, the being that he had the jetpack scene with comes from the uh, sequel trilogy. I think we see that, uh, that being in the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but my thing is like, but who are these people? Like that's the, the, it kind of diminishes the stakes if we don't kind of understand what's going on here. Like clearly they're trying to take the child, but I just, you know, even if they just thrown in there, like we've been hired to do this from the empire or, or anything, I don't know. So right. it's still kind of a mystery um and they you know do they want to kill the child uh it seems at some point that they wanted to maybe kill the child as opposed to capture mm-hmm. and it be- uh, and it begs the question is there an active tracking fob because that was a big part of that first season with you know when they were on the um the sanctuary planet in that episode and you know the sniper whoever it was that carried in took out and he walks up and they've got another one of those tracking fobs or beacons or whatever it is and he steps on it and crushes it you know are there still is that part of why they're being still tracked and i don't know and it's interesting that you felt it felt that vibe because i thought that initially when they get knocked off the speeder bike and whoever the lead person is says grab the child while they're fighting mando and so the little one and that mask and i cannot was it solo that we saw that mask we've seen that mask before or that, Maybe. that species, that face, it had that very, the wide kind of channel across it and the two eyes and whatnot. Um, we've seen that type of character before, but either way, so he says, grab the child, grabs the child. But then at the end, 
you know, pretty quickly when Mando regains control and he's like, look, you can take whatever you want. They didn't make a hard push to keep the kid. He said, give me the jetpack and all, but maybe that was a life sparing tactic as well. So you're right. That's interesting to find out. Is there still active bounty out on, you know, them other than what we know, you know, Gideon is clearly still behind on some level. Well, and, and if you remember the client said, you know, you can, the you know dead or alive and dr pershing was like alive we want him alive and so i mean there's this question of you know the people that want this mm-hmm. uh child uh, uh, it sounds like there's some who there are definitely some who want him alive and there might be some who want him dead um and so that's just it, it's curious right i, I, be- I believe you mean cold yeah well <laughs> yeah all right, so for you, what do you want to know more about? Um, I don't know if it's as much something that I want to know more about as something that I want to see. But I would love to see some more of Zero, the droid. Uh, we got that little, you know, Mrs. Frog uses oh, yeah. Mrs. Frog uses Zero, the droid, as a way to communicate with Mando, which was fun. You get Richard Ayoade back to do that voice. He was listed in the credits. Um, but his, you know, at least seemingly after they crash landed, his head and body and parts were still aboard the Razor Crest. And so I wonder if maybe down the line we don't get another reassembled, reprogrammed, resurrected droid to assist Mando on some sort of mission. I'm always a fan of a droid. I loved when um, IG-11 came back and, you know, thought that was such a fun character. So I would love to see some more of Zero come back into the fray somewhere down the line. Yeah. All right. Well, another great episode. Uh, new episode next Friday. Uh, hopefully Nick and I, I think we've gotten this worked out to where we get to kind of get together on Fridays and do this. And uh, so, uh, and we might even have a guest next uh, Friday. We'll see about that. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And at the end of this episode, we will drop in our quick hot take with Harper We recorded that, like I said, on the way to school this morning. Just a quick added minute to add on. So after we finish, y'all check that out. Uh, Please be sure to check us out on social media. We are very active on Twitter, at WillsPod. As Steve has mentioned before, check out our anchor page. Leave us a voicemail. Send us a message. We would love to use that in some future episodes of the show. And may the force be with us. Always. Good morning. It is Friday. We just watched Chapter 10 of Mandalorian, Season 2, Episode 2. And we have our report with Harper that we want to add to the podcast. We are on our way to school. Harper can't join us live today. But before we get her to school, we wanted to have a quick touch base with our youngest junior Mandalorian correspondent. So, Harper, tell us out of this episode without... um, without giving away too much. Well, you can give away stuff. There's spoilers if we need to. Um, What was your favorite part of this episode, and what are you most looking forward to after seeing this episode? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I think it's where Baby Yoda keeps, like, stealing the eggs, and he keeps, like, putting them, shoving them in his mouth. And I hope to see what happens to the frog lady 
Those are both very excellent points. A little bit of comic relief as Baby Yoda continued to eat the Frog Lady's future children, shoving them in his mouth. And also, um, yeah, what's the deal with the Frog Lady? We know in one of the previews we see that backpack with the eggs on it as they are walking through that town, it looks like, before they get on the boat. So apparently we're still going to get a little bit more Frog Lady maybe in the next episode. And also, who is the Frog Lady? And also, who is the Frog Lady? So, Harper, thank you for checking in and touching base with us. And we can't wait to see what happens next week.